Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome back to another episode of 11 Personnel with Nick Roush and Adam Luckett, where even though Kentucky did not play a football game last Saturday, Luckett, we still have a lot to talk about uh, following the bye week from happenings around the SEC, the games that were actually played, but mostly to the games that, that won't be played. And as of Tuesday night when we're recording this during Maxion, which I think is going to be a nice little weekly tradition now. Uh, there have been three SEC games already postponed for this weekend, and it's it's our first real big uh, outbreak. Ah, it's it's the first time we've had an outbreak really uh, derail a Saturday slate. Yeah, and it's some some bigger games too. Like that, I mean Alabama LSU, obviously some luster was knocked off of it this year, but that was the game they put on Master Saturday. Right. When they knew they CBS, that was the big – their big top choice was getting that game and putting it on that day and having the Masters lead into it. And that that is no more. And now you've got a situation where LSU has already had a game rescheduled. So they're playing mm-hmm. Florida on December 12th right now. Now, are you just going to let Bama have that extra bye week? Is it even going to matter? Are there going to be more cancellations? Um, there's a lot of stuff I think they need to figure out uh, how they're how they're going to go about this, and that it's going. Now we think Kentucky's going to play on Saturday, as of Tuesday evening, where we sit right now. Right. As of right now, the game is scheduled to be played, and everybody's moving forward to play that game, but. There's no way it doesn't affect Kentucky. Um, even if they play this week, they would have to do some schedule shuffling. Um, right. Most likely would be moving the Alabama game to December 12th so Alabama could play all 10 games. And I uh, I saw your how the scenario plays out, and you weren't the only one who kind of had the, the Kentucky-Alabama game getting moved to that yeah. last part of the season to, to make way for – uh, to let the Crimson Tide get 10 games in. Uh, nevertheless, they've also talked about, well, what if you just push everything back a week? Um, but Yeah, like the whole league cancels this week? Yeah, and they also have yeah. like a scenario where they're like, well, what if the teams who aren't in the SEC championship game play on that Saturday? And I'm like, well, who cares? Like, I know that this happens every year uh-huh. when teams are playing in games that are kind of inconsequential. But that will really make it feel inconsequential if you're playing the same day as the league championship yeah. game. So, like, it 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 brings up a real – like, we, we've got a month left in the season, and I'm sure there are plenty of vibes out there like, I mean, who gives a shit anymore, <laughs> unfortunately? I mean, the SEC championship game is Birmingham's baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the biggest event all year. They have it in their biggest hub. It's this big spectacle. Uh, they were the ones who started conference championship games, um, and now that that weekend has become this huge weekend in college football. And that's 
They got to move to prime time this year too. They got to move to prime time this year for the first time in a while. That's not not something they really want to mess with. Um, So if now they came out and announced that they're going to have, they're willing to move games there, you know, by force more than anything that shows you that they're just going to do whatever they can at, at best to get these rescheduled. And I would expect if the games go off the rest of them as scheduled this weekend, that we'll probably get an announcement um, on Sunday or something saying that, you know, this is how the new schedule is going to go. And that, that would be Kentucky moving to December 12th, um, that Tuscaloosa road trip. And would that give UK another bye week and just take away the South Carolina game? No, you would still play. No, you play because the just, SEC championships on the 19th and the last, gotcha. the last regular season is currently scheduled for the fifth, but they, they left the 12th there in case of postponements so to give what, them what, some wiggle room. So in, in your scenario, you're moving South Carolina back to the 19th and playing Alabama on the 12th, essentially no, giving you would, yourself no. a bye week after the Florida game. Oh, right. The South Carolina game will stay the same. My scenario is you Kentucky goes by, Vanderbilt by. Florida, South Carolina, Alabama to end the season. And then play Alabama's SEC championship game the 19th. Yeah, Alabama plays okay, gotcha, Florida gotcha. the 19th, but they would play Kentucky the 12th. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Because yeah, Florida's playing LSU the 12th. Okay. And those are the two likely teams in the SEC title game where we stand right now. Which really, it so it's a schedule change, but it's – for all intents and purposes, like, you know, who cares? What's most important right now is that Kentucky does play on Saturday. As as we mentioned, there are three game postponements. The first was Auburn, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And Mississippi State was, barely played this past week. Mike Leach said they only had, like, a couple guys over that threshold. <laughs> they needed, like, if one or two more would have had it, they would have canceled the, the Vandy game, mm-hmm. which, you know, you haven't had people passing it uh, back and forth between one another in in a game. But if that happened, then you, you worry more and more about uh, the Kentucky game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out Auburn's also had cases creep up. You know, you've had Sam Pittman, who is not going to be coaching for Arkansas this weekend. He's got it. He'll be in quarantine. Barry Odom's taken over. Vandy has played with it pretty much all year. They've had guys, unspecified guys, out. They course had to cancel a game against Missouri earlier in the season on mm-hmm. the state and according to Matt Sweet they're still dealing with some issues uh right now and Ole Miss has had some issues Lane Kiffin I believe the week they played Arkansas was like um as of right now we're fine but if we if like we get a rough patch in here this week we won't be able to play and he said that on like Tuesday or Wednesday that week they ended up being able to pull the game off but um there's definitely um some of that going on around the league um, right now, big time. And we're all seeing it. It's only been reported at one place, and that was at LSU. Uh, Ross Dellinger said, yeah, a lot of it's stemming from a party Halloween night. But really, let's be honest, this is all This is all everybody just went out and partied Halloween night. And can you blame him? Like, you remember how much fun Halloween night was in college? Yeah. It's not just that. I think like you've got a bunch of 18 to 22-year-old kids since, like, it became official that they're going to play football. They just been, they've been kind of on lockdown. Like I, I was thinking about this today. Like, can these guys even go to like B-dubs on a Sunday and watch NFL? Man. I don't know. I mean, and that's been since See, I don't think, June. I don't think they can. I think, yeah, I think that's probably against the rules. So it's a lot of just, you know, 
you go home, you eat the food they provide you, you know, you're living a pretty secluded life. And, and so you're playing like, a very difficult schedule. Well, it's wearing well, Nick, on you mm-hmm. physically and mentally. And I mean, hell, look at, I feel the mental wear and I'm just typing about it. <laughs> well, if you get to the point, this is the point in the season um, where it starts to wear down and it's getting to a point where you can, a lot of people you can classify if they're having a good season or a disappointing season. I think so far Kentucky falls in that disappointing category. Um, so you you may get, not saying Kentucky players are doing this right now, but you may get players that in other programs that are just like, or in any program, just be like, man, screw this. I'm going to go drink a beer at these, at these dudes' house across the street or having a few people over, or I'm going to go do this or that. Um, maybe not being as strict as they would if like, oh, man, we're five and one. We got a big game coming up on Saturday. Let's, you know, let's stay locked in. Um, it definitely gets it easier um, to make some of this, you know, college kid decision that you have to make, I guess, I mean, in this climate. Right now, look at we've got, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five teams in the league are over 500 on the year. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I, we heard Stoops <laughs> talk about that this week. Yeah. Um, in, in like I, was, also- I, I was of the opinion before the season, um, because there were some radio jocks here in Louisville um, that started talking about, you know, would eight and four, four and four be a good season for Kentucky? And yes, it's always going to be a good season. Like oh, four and four in the SEC is good for Kentucky. They've only done it a handful of times. They've had one winning <laughs> season and whatnot. Like four and four is absolutely always a good season. Um, eight and four, you you beat Louisville, you're eight and four, and your your bowl went away from like maybe the Outback Bowl. Or maybe a you know a decent level bowl from being right. a top twenty five team. That's a that's always a good season, no matter um, what happens in the year. But but things can just get skewed in this all SEC season because the the our brains aren't aren't built no to to calculate how this is how how this whole season is working. We we've, we've it goes against everything we everybody's grown up or you are adapted to getting used to in college football. Um, we're really four and six. Like four and six is a respectable season, I think, in the SEC. Five and five is, you know, pretty good, especially for Kentucky. Like six and four for Auburn. If Auburn gets to six and four, I think that's a great season for Auburn. I think it's a really good season. And the thing is, too, Luckett, even though we told ourselves before the season we had to adjust our expectations, our you can tell yourself that. But you can't change the way you feel when you lose on a game day. And that's the thing that these players are going through right now where the opportunities to even feel good about a win, to feel good about a game, it's just slim pickings for yeah. teams in the SEC. So it's been a tough, tough class. As, as Stoop said, at the end of the year, we're probably just going to look back on this and say, what the hell did we do to ourselves? Or, <laughs> I mean – and, and I think that's why you're seeing no. teams get the, the, a little bit more lax on their COVID mm-hmm. stuff because they're just, frankly, they're they're fed up and they're tired of it. It's been a long, long time just to play the season, and then they're finally playing it, and they're getting their asses kicked. Uh, coin flip games, you know, you look at – just look at all these spreads. So, one-possession games, Kentucky's – the expectation, every game's been in one possession except Georgia in the line. And this one, now Vandy. <laughs> yeah, and this one. Everything else is just like it's expected. All right, it's going to come down to last five minutes of the fourth quarter, 
you know, you're going to have a chance to win or lose a game. And Kentucky, unfortunately, has lost those games. You know, Auburn mm-hmm. and Missouri, they were within a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and they found a way to kind of lose both of them going away. Um, and then Ole Miss, they couldn't, they couldn't figure out a way to win that one either. So you lose those games, and it just – you win one of them, and the whole thing is different. You win two of them, you're really feeling good. Um, but but football's a small sample size sport, man. You know, you can lose a couple games and you know everything can go down the drain. It's why it's a great sport, but it's also it can also be a brutal sport at the same time. Um, but but Nick, in no matter any season, there's a it's called remember November. They all we talk about and we remember what the, the team does in the last month and then what they do in the bowl game. Like the bowl game gets way too much prop um, for every impending off season what we talked about your most recent memory so Kentucky like it's right like last year Kentucky (laughs) played a bunch of bad teams at the end of the season racked up a bunch of wins ran for a bunch of yards and then found a way to beat Virginia Tech in the bowl game and then it got it got a ton of really good hype for the the program going into the offseason when really when you look at if you if you flip it if the season happens in reverse order where how Kentucky started the year two and three um the, the whole tenor of the offseason is different. So they have a chance here, I think, if they can get it together, play, get competitive Alabama, Florida, take care of South Carolina and Vanderbilt, who are two teams. Vandy's just they're, – they're fighting like hell, but they just don't have a lot there. But South Carolina appears to be going in the wrong direction fast. So – and especially with that being the last game, you got a chance, I think, to end with a good taste in your mouth and then to kind of have, have the season be a little bit of a wash. Um, when you get out of it, but the but you got to get through it first. There's been one exception to that rule bucket, and I think that's 07 because they built up so much goodwill with their early season wins and having game day and everything that, like, wow. once the game, once it kind of went off the rails in October, it was like, yeah, you know, and, and they yeah. still got the bowl win that year, too. That's what, but that's second. if they don't get that bowl, well, they got a bowl win over a brand name team. If they don't get that bowl win, you, I think you look at that season a lot different. Mm-hmm. I think that helps save. You look at the, the mistakes season. at Tennessee and just like yeah. beating your head against the wall. Well, you lose to a South Carolina team, you're you're straight up better than just because of turnovers. Mississippi State, they lost the two teams. They were just straight up better than them. Mississippi State, South Carolina. Yeah. And then the Tennessee game, if those two teams played ten times, they probably each went five. I mean Well, and that Nothing can reinforce that statement better than the 2016 season where there were two weekends you thought Mark Stoops was going to get fired if he doesn't win, and that was South Carolina and Mississippi State. That's how bad things were for a time. But then you end the season beating Lamar Jackson and, like, let's let's freaking go, you know? I mean, hell, that's that's a win you talk about for a long, 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 long time, and then you get to go to a Florida Bowl game for the first time. It was not only that, though. They were they were. Very competitive down the stretch, I think. Um, Alabama, they put up a decent fight when they were totally outclassed. Tennessee, they ran for a bunch of yards. So they were they were in all those games, I think. Georgia, they they had Georgia on the ropes at mm-hmm. Kroger Field. Now they, now that SEC East was a lot it was bad. <laughs> it was a bad SEC East, yeah. but but that it came out a good time for the program for them to be bad so they can kind of get themselves going. Well, and the good thing is, is Kentucky can get themselves going against Vanderbilt this weekend. That's why it's important to make sure that this game is played. Um, I know UK is, issued a statement that they're confident the game will still be played. Yeah. Uh, so, 
having that would be important just to see the offense do some good against a bad Vanderbilt defense against a Vanderbilt offense that puts up uh, a lot of yards without scoring very many points, um, which has kind of been Kentucky's defensive MO. Even on their worst days, they're still not giving up that many points. They're getting stops in the red zone. So uh, this really, look at this is a game that of all the ones that could potentially get postponed, this is the one you don't want to get postponed because Kentucky needs some positive momentum after a few crappy uh, weeks. In the worst way. Right now, it's you're looking at seventeen point spread. The totals around forty two. So if you if you project that out, you know in a realistic football score, Kentucky thirty, Vanderbilt thirteen. Like if you told me that's what Kentucky gets on Saturday, I would take it and I would sprint all the way to the bank and take that. If Kentucky could get thirty points, I don't care in what form or fashion. Um, and the the defense, you know, thirteen points in a game, you're, you're going to take that. Like if that's what they get, that that would be perfect. Um, the question is, you know, I don't know what team Kentucky's going to get on Saturday. Um, we're hearing the offensive line's banged up. Um, sounding like Terry Wilson's going to be the quarterback. Um, they're, they're dealing with COVID issues. Um, it is weird off, like it. Right. <laughs> and, like, that's just a little bit of it because every time they seemingly talk about the offense, things don't get any – uh, perkier because like you said on the offensive line being banged up soup said uh, basically they'll know game time which means eh, probably not secondly today we're supposed to hear from eddie grant and five i mean not even five minutes before eddie grant talks to the media it's no nah, we got darren henshaw and henshaw is not budging on why he's there not eddie grant that's a coach stoops question he said that at least three times a day. I was even doing the Big J reporter thing and just like not giving up. <laughs> I was, I, I asked like three different or two different ways. Well, how does it affect game? I was trying everything and he was not giving up absolutely anything, but that's never happened. So uh, I, I, I know the, the fire Eddie Grand folks are like, oh my gosh, did he fire him? I, I don't think that's the case. I think if there were a case. No. You, you you would connect dots and say there's offensive staffers out with COVID and now their coach isn't going to interviews? Like, hmm. Yeah, the ring, ring, ring. I think right. you got it there. Uh, now, uh, I've heard that his absence might not be permanent um, enough to keep him away from the sideline on Saturday. Maybe Stoops will provide more clarity on Thursday, but Stoops hasn't been in the business of, of – providing COVID insight or injury insight or quarterback insight at that. But that's what made it refreshing to hear from the quarterbacks coach today. Like it because he really echoed this. The, the thing I, 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 I was happy to hear from my own perspective, but it doesn't make any sense is this like effusive, not praise. Yeah. It's effusive praise for Terry Wilson. But when asked about Joey Gatewood's game, they essentially describe the mistakes that Terry Wilson has made all season long about holding on to the ball too long, about patting it, about being indecisive, not letting it rip, and then not getting vertical enough on his runs and going sideline to sideline. But then, no, that's Gaywood. He's not doing well enough. But Terry, though, he's he's yeah. really, really great. He's just the best. Uh, Adam Luckett reading the tea leaves, it's – a lot of they don't really believe in Joey Gatewood, at least his offensive staff, well, uh, which is concerning. 
the thing that concerns me, look, at, is they're willing to make that judgment off of one game against Georgia. They're not even going to let him try against Vanderbilt. Like, they've let Terry Wilson try how many starts? 16? Well, they have. there's loyalty to a fault, I think, without a doubt. Um, just remember back Nick Haynes, how, how long he started before they finally pulled the plug on him back in 2016 when he had yeah. the diabetic issue. He lost all that weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. Rose, they, they keep giving him chances when really some of the younger backs probably deserve to get some of that numbers. Mainly Chris Rodriguez probably deserves to get – a heavier chunk of the of the carries you know they just they've it, they stick with their guys man and it, that's what this that's what this screams is that um, they're just doubling down on their senior quarterback and we'll see if it works out for them well hasn't really worked out that much this year at all but the weird the weirdest part of the entire thing look it was that when Asked if it was a, because like uh, let's be let's be frank. We all heard the Terry Wilson opting out rumors. They were not quiet rumors. Whenever he had a mysterious wrist injury, uh, following the Missouri game, most folks were thinking that Terry quit on the team. That that was what that was the assumption. Now he he ended up being at the game uh, against Georgia the following week, but the. the there were pretty loud rumors that Terry was considering quitting the team and reading the tea leaves. It made sense why they were, they were moving in the direction they were to play Joey Gayward against Georgia. Hinshaw got asked point blank about those rumors. And this was his quote. This is really tough times. It's a situation where you get emotional. Sometimes emotions get a hold of you, but I'll tell you the conversation I've had with Terry Wilson have been nothing but great. He loves Kentucky. He wants to – I just I just got off the field and just hugged him. I got off the field and said, man, what a great day. He's working hard for Kentucky football. I promise you that. That's it's an odd quote. It's so weird. I mean, this whole thing, look, it is so weird. And I, I think without a doubt, we've learned that However, they're trying to handle this quarterback situation. There's either too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too much indecision. I mean, it. You're, you're seeing the. Well, the problems uh, with the quarterbacks are reflective in their coaches. They're indecisive and they don't just want to chuck it deep and go for the big home run. Instead, they're playing it safe, and it's really showing up in the way that they're talking about. They're treating their quarterbacks. They're being really conservative. And they're trying to go with the guy who know can win you some games, but isn't necessarily gonna 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 wow you. And you've seen that up until this point. I really want to see what they do with these last four games, um, especially after the bye week, to kind of take everything in and try to figure out a plan. But I've talked about this. I think the whole kind of the design and the script of the offense has just stunk this year. Like it's been very disappointing how they've came out and attacked teams, their stubbornness to not, you know, lean into Chris Rodriguez, um, the ineffectiveness of getting the pass game going at all for a multitude of reasons, the lack of, I guess, creativity or in the stubbornness to like, all right, we're going to keep, you know, passing the established run. Like you knew after you get embarrassed at Mississippi State, you think you would learn your lesson. All right, we kind of are who we are. We're going to come out and run the ball. Um, Chris Rodriguez – 
consistently moves forward. So we know if I, we give him the ball early and downs, odds are we're not going to get three and out. Um, and then they they go to Missouri and they do the same thing they did in Mississippi State, against Mississippi State. And it just kind of creates the same situation. And like you look at it and it's like, what what are they, exactly are they, are they seeing? What are they what are they doing? I just it that whole off the it, it, you're right. It's just been off the whole thing with them this mm-hmm. year, which really it, it just makes you think like what, what like what's the future? It seems obvious See, that they need they need some new blood in there that they need like the the team needs a fresh shot. Um, the coaching staff overall just needs a fresh shot. Uh, it just it's just there's a lot going on in that there, there's a lot of issues I think that need to be ironed out. And I think they they here's the 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 hope I had for last week. And you know what? It still could be the case. They could the being loyal to a fault really could just be it could just be saying nice things about Terry Wilson before he stays on the bench for the rest of the season and you try with the new guys. But I, I, that's that's the kind of the, the big how you need to look at the big picture of this offense is you're loyal to Terry for what he's done the wins he's gotten just like the same thing with Eddie and, and, and Henshaw they've been dealt bad hands for the most part when it comes to injury luck in their quarterback room and yet they found mm-hmm. success and they've been able to have wins they've done a good job but now moving forward you 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 know that what you've got to an extent, and this is where Grant and Henshaw need to prove that, like, okay, they can be trusted with the future of this offense in the direction it's heading. And that's why I think you've got to give you got to give some other guys shots. You've got to give young guys shots in the receiver room because, like, like we know what doesn't work. So that's why I, I'm I'm. I'm not going like I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit lucky with any sort of anger or anything and super duper hot takes because they could do that on Saturday. Yeah. And this could just be Mark Stoops is. Yeah, right. this could be Mark Stoops doing out. his media crap that it can be frustrating when they don't say stuff. But we you're right. We got to see this play out um, because maybe this just could be their great smokescreen for Vandy to keep Derek Mason on his heels. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't sound like that though. It, I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but it sounds like they're going back to Terry, um, and that they're doubling down again on this offense. Now, hopefully, they have a different kind of design. Um, mainly, I would like to see them just you know hammer the rock over and over and over, and then when they throw the ball, just throw it deep. Mm-hmm. Like don't like you don't even worry. Like you're running for efficiency. Um, when you're throwing it though, you're throwing for a big place, and that's you know if we can hit a couple. You know, that's what I think they need to kind of go for instead of – because the dink and dunk pass game, it's getting them nowhere. Right. I, so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Like, you just got to have to wait out and see <laughs> see what it is. Uh, like, yeah, yeah I, but I think it's – I think it's very safe to say there's going to be some changes in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have how, to see, how many? see when we get there and what right, – how many right, right. 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 now – now you can make the argument: Should the last four games play that big of a role or not? Because we we have now five, you know almost five years of data, Nick, on kind of what this offense is, what they've been able to do. So, you know, like that, like decision, in my mind should kind of already be made by now. Now, whether it is or not, we'll see. Um, 
but I definitely think that, that something something has to uh, has to change there. Meanwhile, I'm just watching Buffalo drop 78 yard touchdown passes where the ball's traveling like yeah. 60 yards in the air. It's like you Nick, know, you, it's you if you can if you can do that at other places. It's not like you. It's impossible to do at Kentucky. I mean, hell, I just saw how I have Tim Caps throwing seven touchdown passes today. I know it's Tim to couch, but like you can, the forward pass can be can happen and. To so the point where, like, I just laugh at the jokes now because, like, come on. Yeah, but we're also <laughs> with Stoops. You know, I think he's been a really good coach. He's done some really good things. But we're also in year seven, year eight, and the passing game has. I mean, it's never it's been, been this. It's been the same issues every year. So, I think in recruiting, you can always look at changes being made. Are they devoting resources and whatnot to fix some of their issues? And I think it's fair to say they are. Like they've recruited receiver very well the last two classes. Help is on the way. I really do think they're going to um, figure this out. They, the recruiting tells you they're they're investing in getting like a modern offense. They want to be able to throw the ball. They're not. They could have very easily been like, all right, let's do this Bolton ball. Let's just keep keep doing that. But they didn't. That the recruiting tells us that they're they're trying to modernize and it's just getting those players in the system. Um, and figuring out a way to get there because they are in, I think they're in a weird in between area right now. Yeah. Which, because, because you have the 2017, 2018 class, they invested highly in South Florida. Didn't work. And that's been, it's been a disaster for the program. Like, I think we can say now that that, that situation or that, that experiment, I guess you should call it. And they got out of it fast, but it is really kicking them in their ass right now. Um, because a lot of those players are guys that they were counting on that haven't contributed or are in the rotation and are not given much. Um, and a lot of them have transferred out. Um, you look at Day Day Hawkins, BJ Alexander, Chris Whitaker, Sebastian Dolcine, mm-hmm. Michael Nesbitt gets kicked out of school. Um, Ashton Pierre, I don't think ever showed up on campus. No. That, I mean, there's a laundry list of. Hell, one of the best issues. gets was Abule, who was a late get, and he's been recruited yeah. over. I don't know? even I don't even consider him because wasn't he in Lakeland? Yeah, he was South uh, Florida, and then he was in Lakeland. So yeah, I, I don't even consider him a part of that group. I just right. yeah, he was just a he was just a one off um kind of recruitment. But yeah, it's just it's not been good. And that's I think that's really what's hurting them the most right now. Keem Hayes, Cleveland Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and then you gotta look. You know, those guys are guys that could be transferring soon. I mean, Akeem Hayes seems definite at this point. Yeah. Um, so does Cleveland. He has – he played a lot last year once Bolden went out. And I think he's caught one pass in the Auburn game, and we really haven't seen him. And that was uh, from Gatewood, I believe. Or it was – his his reception – no, no, he dropped a pass from Gatewood. So, yeah, you're right. We've gotten one reception from him this year. So, not a whole lot there. Um uh, and now is the time you hope you can see some production from some of the new guys through the final four games of the season. And like I said, like it, it early on, this Vanderbilt defense, they give up some pass yards. Um, now you hope they don't do a Mississippi State and go out there yeah. and say, we're just going to throw it on this team. But they, you could make some plays in space against yeah. this Vanderbilt football team. Matt Corral inflated a lot of these stats. So did Lane Kiffin when you look at some of their defensive numbers because they just lit their ass up when they played a couple weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the defense – their defense is – I mean, it's a bad defense. Um, they're aggressive. Um, 
mainly they, they they are able to produce some negative plays in the run game, which I think is a concern if you're Kentucky. Like, you need to avoid that at all costs. But if you're able to avoid that, Kentucky should be able to lean on them and get some big plays on the ground. And then, you know, if they could get anything in the air at this point, it's a, it's a, it's a plus. Well, and if they're aggressive too in run defense, those blitzes, they're going to miss and you're going to get well, big plays out of it. Yeah, well, I think that's where you look at, like, Cavassier Smoke, um, A.J. Rose maybe, um, Juton McClain. You know, Rodriguez is giving you some big plays, but he doesn't have, you know, that extra gear. Um, those guys, if they get a crease, um, they could really hit something. And then you look at what the running backs for Kentucky um, did last year. They ran for, like, the, those three, Smoke, Rodriguez, Rose, ran for almost 300 yards as a as a threesome. Let's run it back. Let's yeah. do it. So, so like, you know, the eight-man boxes and stuff, like, screw it. Run it anyway. That's what I say. <laughs> like, what, what, like, <sighs> like you've proven, like, your receivers struggle mightily um, to get off press. You've proven that, you know, there's not very many concepts in the past game, at least we're not able to see, where, you know, you, you create easy throws and catches for whatever reason. So, just, you know, you're pretty strong. Let's just run into this wall see if you can knock it down. Yeah, run the damn ball. It's, right. it's, it's worked pretty well for a while at Kentucky. Let's bring it back. It's worked the last two times out against Vandy. They had to do that in that really nasty, windy game back in 2018. I was thinking back to it like it. I had a hell of a time in 2019 at Vanderbilt. It was one of those go out on Friday night, game gets over, yeah. come back, and then go out again in Louisville on Saturday night. Hell of a hell of a daily double. Um, and you're you, this year – you get the opportunity to watch the Cats alongside third-round Masters coverage. Uh, Moving day at the Masters. Oh, man, it's exciting. And, look, at, I don't know about you, but the videos and every like, – it, it just seems like I, I'm, I care more now than I do in the spring. And maybe it's because we've, we've typically had so much March Madness that that kind of hangover from sports doesn't – you know, like it, it's it's nice, but you're not like jacked up for it. For some reason, man, I don't. I, maybe it's because the fall foliage. You know, we're getting all this, this these reds and browns in the air. But I'm I'm fired up for this Masters. Yeah, I think it's just a big sporting event at a different time, so it creates some different type of excitement. And Aaron Flaner's down there caddying for the first time, so I'm gonna be rooting for him and JT. Uh, not, 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 not the Louisville Justin Thomas, but I'll, I'll be rooting for him too. Uh, but nevertheless, it's going to be fun. It's a different time of year. Like it, you've got to have some locks for us, right? Have you, have you cultivated your ticket yet? Unfortunately, I have not done my research on the Masters oh, yet. Deep dive oh. research. I know too much. Vanity you know, my guy Bryson that. though is, is the favorite. So, so. <laughs> um, so we'll, so we'll see. No. He won't be my pick. I I don't know. I'll have to do some digging. I'll find some. I'll find something though. Put it out there in the ether. Did you see Tiger's menu for the Masters dinner tonight? I did not. It's a steak and chicken fajitas, which, like, I I mean, I appreciate steak. Like, uh, steak and like, do you mean separate or steak and chicken fajitas? Like steak and chicken in the fajita. Well, it. I think uh, – Are you talking like a separate steak and then you get like two options? It's like a wedding where it's like chicken or fish. So you get steak or chicken fajita. So which one is it? I think it's – you get both. 
Uh, yeah, yeah okay. serving fajitas and sushi. So I think it's it's just both with all of the stuff. Sushi is the uh, is the uh, appetizer, I guess, and then steak and chicken fajitas. So I'm yeah, steak and chicken is together with the peppers and onions, and then dessert is what's this dessert? Flan. God, flan sucks. Like churros with chocolate sauce and sopapillas. So like. I mean, I, you know, I like a good Mexican meal more than most, but I would be balling on like some prime rib or something if I'm picking the menu for the master's dinner. Yeah, that's probably what they do a lot, though, is probably mixing it up. Tiger's probably been to 100 of those. <laughs> so he so wants he, to try something new. I'm surprised they don't have margaritas on that the menu, too. I mean, do no. you know, Do you know, Nick, that uh, like Tiger, what does he want, like four or five? But he only has one green jacket. Is it because they only keep like one size for him at the at the club? Yeah, he can. You you like Tiger won the Masters last year, and he gets to take that jacket with him throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But then he re- returns to the Masters the next year. He has to return it, and it stays in its locker. Like they have a locker room for the Masters winners, and his oh. his jacket stays there, and he can only wear it. You know, Masters week when they do like the dinner, and I think the dinner is really the only time they can wear it, and they all take that picture. And then Patrick Reed and Bubba Watson somehow weaseled their way into that group. <laughs> but, yeah, but they have that trophy. You see the trophy in the presentation. They give them, like, the little circle-looking trophy. Mm-hmm. That's what they get to take. Like, he has whatever, four or five of those. Home. Yeah. Right. Well, because in the I, I get the jacket thing to an extent. So my It's such school- a secret society thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, yeah. like. Uh, my basketball coach in high school was actually in the Naismith Hall of Fame. He's got a gold jacket. Uh, now, it's not because he was great at basketball. He was on a great team. He was on a uh, the undefeated Fort Hayes State National Championship team in 1996. So the year that UK won the Division One tournament, they won the Division Two tournament, went undefeated, beat Ben Wallace, and uh, their team got inducted in the Hall of Fame. And he can only wear his gold jacket when he's on the grounds. And yeah, uh, yeah, where is that? I bet I, I bet the NFL Hall of Fame's like that too. Yeah. Except for that big guy that goes around. Oh, uh, oh god, that guy is enormous. <laughs> I'm now mad. I can't think of his name. Um, we'll see him come playoff time. Didn't he show up for Joe Buck? I didn't. See, I, I yeah. heard that, but I didn't. Yeah, see I didn't see it either. Video. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't see it. Oh, I like Joe Buck too. He's got a good big game voice. Just like uh like Jim Nance doesn't have a big game voice, but he's got the nice soothing sounds. Oh, you know what we get this weekend too that I forgot. We get Vern. Yeah, I was about to say that. Uncle Vern, it's it's his one time of year we bust out the, the old CBS blazer. On the sixteenth, he'll be I think that's where they always put him on the sixteenth hole. Oh. Should be great television viewing now that we won't have we're down three SEC games. Uh, I should mention, too, that Missouri – is it Missouri that's also kind of on shaky grounds? Where They only have one positive test, but there's a bunch of contact tracing that couldn't – Yeah, I know they've had some Georgia issues too. most of the year. I haven't heard this week what they have. But, yeah, I mean, it's very uh, walking on eggshells at this point in the week for everybody, it seems like. Speaking of walking on eggshells, Adam Luckett, um, Will Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt. Hmm. Hmm. Like, 
I, I tweeted out Saturday. I was like, this feels like a pretty big game for Pruitt and Muschamp because if you win it, um, you've got a chance to get to five and five, a pretty good chance. And then you could sell a season, hey, we went five and five. You know, some things didn't break our way, um, but we found a way and you can, you can, you can sell it. But now you look at both of them. I mean, three and seven is probably the most likely record to finish up with. Um, and both of them, Tennessee kind of took care of their business in the first half, but then just had a listless third quarter. Um, and then South Carolina just got co-cocked at home. I mean, the fact that Muschamp's a defensive guy and he gave up 50 to LSU with their backup uh-huh. quarterback and then 48 the following week. Yeah. And not to like see, a good offense. Right. I didn't know? see that LSU game or the LSU game, so I can't really comment on that. But watching – a&M, it was more of just an, an offense's ineptness that kind of blew the game open. Like, it should have been 14 nothing at half. Um, they just could not do anything on offense. Like, they had a hundred – they had, a, like, a Kentucky versus Mississippi State or slash Kentucky versus Missouri performance. I think they only ran, like, 40-something plays. It was, it was just god-awful. God-awful. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, Muschamp – Again, back to recruiting. The the quickest way to find out if something's going to change, like his recruiting has really taken a nosedive in this 2021 class um, compared to his other classes. Um, they're going to be down there near Missouri – or not Missouri. Um, they might finish 13th in the SEC. They got a chance near Vanderbilt. Um, they're kind of in that area where they've been kind of middle of the pack around 8-9. Um, so that tells me like a change is on the way. It's just he, he, they owe him a lot of money. Um. And then you got Hugh Freeze winning games against Virginia Tech. He might oh, run man. the table. And there's just <laughs> there's an impending there's an impending bidding war um, going on for him. Like I could see, you know, like obviously Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente. That's kind of a strained relationship. If things went south for Doran, I think NC State would be in a shape to move. Like if it cut, like I could just see like one of those schools firing their coach and then going after Freeze and and then South Carolina been saying, all right, wait a minute now. <laughs> like, let's let's throw our hat in this ring. So, I just – I think that that Biddy Moore is coming. And then I don't know – and then on the Pruitt thing. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Nick, but it's been awful quiet from Phil Fulmer. Huh. Like, usually he's got something to say, hmm. something about this or that. He's we haven't heard out a of peep somebody's out of that. Ass. Yeah, really We weird. haven't heard a peep out of that guy in quite a while. Since – uh, really since he – he said, what was that he said about the practice? He got all, you know, he said there he was the only no vote for like practice start time or whatnot. Oh, yeah. Whenever uh, that was like back in June or whenever they could start working yeah. out. We haven't heard a peep from him. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go out and do anything, but, you know, he's been known to work a few um, back channels. Hmm. Now, it was his guy he hired. So it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with this, but. Um, you're seeing some signs with Pruitt, though, where how they've lost some games, some of these blowout victories. Um, the quarterback, how he's handled the whole quarterback situation there, um, from grabbing Gary Tunnel's face mask to bad at to Kentucky. to a revolving door to keep yeah. going, yeah, to keep going to Garantano to not, you know, earlier this year he came out and said like Harrison Bailey wasn't even practicing with the team, like it was just like. You know, he was just there at practice. He's like, we got, I, I only can't, we can only do it with two guys. So I need two, like, or two or three guys. And so 
then it kind of um, – he doesn't play well at Georgia, and Tennessee comes back that Sunday, and they have like a JV scrimmage. And he said, oh, yeah, Harrison took 93 of the snaps. And then we saw him against Tennessee – or against Kentucky. We haven't seen him since then. Um, and there, it just – he there's obviously – they've already overturned his staff once when Fulmer got in there, which seemed like me saying – Fulmer said, you need to hire these guys. I mean, that's currently not working, so um, – like I, I, like if I could get odds on Fulmer being an interim head coach at some point in the next, I don't mm-hmm. know, two years, pulling a Barry Alvarez. Yeah, I'm not saying to like permanently take over, but to take over during the season. Which God, you wanted to, you want to see a pumped up Adam Luckett before a game? If Fulmer <laughs> took over 2022 and Kentucky's okay. playing Tennessee, I would want that game probably more than any uh, in of recent memory, but. But I don't know. We'll see. It's gonna be it's interesting times there on Rocky Top and their fan base. That's not, no one surprised is losing their mind. <laughs> oh, who's losing their mind more right now? Tennessee fans or Penn State fans? I'm not. I don't. I'm not that plugged into Penn State. But are they? Are they like super upset right now? Well, they're they're holier than thou, so they can't they don't understand they can't yeah. grasp reality that they're zero and three. You've got more of that Big Ten pulse than I do, but yeah, I get. I mean, I could see that for sure. And, and the thing is, too, is James Franklin is such a hated. I don't. I can't even remember a time when like I, I love the tweet he does where he tweets his opponent's name out, you know, for the whole characters, and then it does we're on the Maryland or on the whoever at the end, and losing to Maryland. Maryland's huge for recruiting up there. Like they they do. They yeah, they don't. Lot. Like they that, don't. Uh, they don't like each other. Those two. That, those two. He runs up the score on them. Yes, all the time. Yeah, yeah. they don't like Losing each other at all. Them, man, that was. Man, that that's brutal. Uh, the Michigan Harbaugh thing is going to be just. That's going to come to just a messy end. Like there's yeah. there's no way around that. They can't fire him though. Like they have to. It has to be. A mutual ending, but if he don't have a landing spot, he's probably not going to go anywhere. Um, I think he, that's that's a situation where you could see them kind of restructure restructure the contract, or he um, tries to go back to the NFL. Well, that's what I think would be the move, but NFL's kind of gone. Him. Well, NFL's gone a different way now with um, all of the you know Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay, offensive centric yeah. type hires where Harbaugh's. <laughs> He's had that man ball, yeah, that man ball situation. The so. fact that he had Andrew Luck too—that that was the guy that really took him to the promised land. I mean, hell, he ends up coaching in a Super Bowl because of it. Like, that's wild. That hard well, that, that Andrew Luck was in that well, offense. It's it's crazy uh, that he he was the guy in the NFL that was kind of ahead of the curve with Colin Kaepernick and the you know the zone reads type stuff they did. And now, yeah. now it's um, now it's you know he's way behind. It looks like, and now they just can't get it figured out. That uh, you know Ohio State, I, I, Ohio State broke him. Um, I think yeah. that's pretty obvious. He just uh, he's very confused about what to do. He's made some hires, and he like the defensive coordinator who was awesome there for three years. Now they can't. Now they just look lost. I mean, it's just it's it's a mess. Oh, and you, you don't hate to see it. You don't hate to see it. And if you look at it now, I believe Northwestern, they won again. So the Big Ten West is going to be a Northwestern or Purdue. <laughs> we'll be playing like Ohio State in Indianapolis. Yeah. December yeah. the 
17th or whatever it may be. We'll see what happens with the con- Wisconsin, how they – because I don't think they've made a ru- – yeah, I don't think they've made a ruling on that, what the, what the rules are. And they're supposed to play, like, apparently Wisconsin is on schedule. Um, and that's the ABC primetime game, Wisconsin-Michigan. Oh, God, what a – what a primetime game that is. Hey, but Indiana, you, you don't need name brands when you got nine Indiana ready to roll and be your bell cow for the conference. Yeah, uh, one of those years. Which, by the way, did you – I would like to thank you, Luckett, because you helped save my horse racing day. It wasn't a complete wash, but, like, I missed out on a big winner because I, I was too slow. Uh, the delay on my TV was too much, and I, I didn't get my bet in on time uh, for Whitmore. But you told me that you got some good uh, luck of the Irish vibes kicking in, and that helped me. I, I Like you said, we had some chasing opportunities. I chased mm-hmm. that dragon, and I made up for at least one one of those impulsive deposits to my TBG again. Good thing you didn't ask me on Sunday because I was feeling very good about the Bucks on Sunday <laughs> night. <laughs> so good thing you asked me on Saturday and not Sunday. And then Florida, they, they absolutely curb-stomped Georgia. Um, which I was a little worried about that bet at first because the first play they went what seventy five yards to the house, but yeah, man, Stetson it was fourteen nothing like that. What what's is JG Daniels not good? Is he not healthy? Like what, what, what's, uh, what's the holdup? Seth Emerson, who writes for the Athletics or beat, Georgia beat writer, he tweeted out today like the Athletics doing something where it's like instant news like it's like our own Twitter feed or something. Yeah, yeah, it's really like really so you're trying to get. I've seen it because ESPN tried to do it. You know, I'm talking not, about it's it's like it's like fetch. It's not catching on, but it's the yeah. thing where they basically write just longer tweets inside their own little right. They're, well, they're pushing that hard, and he screenshotted his today, which was that JT Daniels took most of the first team reps at practice for a source. Okay, that I think they're due. I wonder if there was a little um, gentleman's agreement between Daniels and Kirby that he wouldn't play this year, just because he didn't want to. Force a like a hurried up comeback on a bum knee. Um, they had JT Jamie Newman already in the fold, so they didn't think they need him. Um, I wonder if that was there was maybe a little agreement there. And then they said just apply for the waiver. Um, just you know why not apply for it? And then I I just wonder if that was because that's really it doesn't make sense why he's not playing if he's Another fully healthy. Gentleman's agreement though that's right. Interesting. <laughs> just a just a thought. In, in, you know, it, it also could be another like, like Kirby. You know, he loves to sit on a lead, and Stetson Bennett's the perfect guy to do it. So yeah, maybe Kirby was willing to do that for another year. Stetson's not great, he is what he is, but like Georgia's receiver injuries have killed them. Um, the, the Blaylock kid is out, been out all year. Pickens hadn't played in a few weeks. Um, they had that two true freshmen that got hurt, set series of the game, who's like a top 50 recruit, went out. So they just don't have the receivers. And then the guys they were throwing to, you had uh, – there was like three or four drops or two or three deep catches that probably, you know, you know, you got to help out your quarterback at some point. So they didn't give him a lot of help. And Florida just – they got caught up in a buzzsaw there in the second quarter. Like they just they just needed to get to halftime. Um, and then you – and I think some of those injuries showed up. Like not having LeCount there, back there for Georgia was a big damn deal. And then they lose like Lewis Seen on that. Now that would you want to talk about a nasty hit with him and Kyle Pitts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was, a, that was a car crash. <laughs> oh man, it really it really was. I uh, I'm curious, like it. Do you see a world where Florida can beat Bama? Do they have enough guns? Because 
that I feel like the reason why the defense, SEC, their defense isn't good enough. Their defense will get exposed against Bama. I just don't no, think they have. Which is true. Their defense does stink. They're not good at tackling, especially in the run game. But I feel like I could, you could still expect to see like a hundred points scored in an SEC championship game between the two. Yeah, I mean, if Pitts is out there, he's he's a walking mismatch. He's the biggest mismatch in college football. Um, he, so dealing with him is unfair. Yeah, he's gonna be gone. He'll be okay. a top top ten twenty pick or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a he's a true junior. Um, yeah, he's just a walking mismatch. Yeah, they'll be able to they'll be able to keep up. I just think Bama's got a little bit more ammo, but it's different with Waddle not being there either. Like we need to see yeah, Bama more yeah. without Waddle though too. Um, so yeah, it could be if Waddle's like this big miss, it could be. But Florida, Alabama's got the better. The biggest thing in that game, I yeah. think, is Najee Harris. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, he, I think he he's can, the biggest he can difference in that game. The clock a little, uh, get aggravating yards, yeah. extend some possessions, and keep the ball out of Florida. What they I worry about for Bama is they're last in the SEC in sack rate. Like they're not really rushing the passer this year, which is which is a concern. Um, if Trash is able to just you know sit back there and have time and pick you apart. My other, I brought up the draft because you got got a little Dame Brugler bump today. Did I see that? I did. I did. So if y'all don't know Dame Brugler, he is. I know Mel Kiper gets all the like ESPN hype, but Dame Brugler is like the workingest workhorse of all the NFL draft folks. He uh, he works for the Athletic, and he'll put out this draft guide. That's. I mean, his draft guide's awesome, but it's it's a it's a mammoth of a thing. It really is like an encyclopedia of every potential prospect in the draft. And like, why don't you just tell us what would happen with you and Mr. Brugler lately? Basically, I said he released his top fifty as of right now, and Darren Kennard wasn't on the list, so I pretty much said this is something we need to monitor moving forward um because it's pretty obvious at this point canard is looked at as a guard not a tackle and guards really don't go in the draft early unless they're a freak and dane just said you know you he's a you know he's that i have him as a guard but he's he's really good and he's probably he's definitely a day two pick if he comes out day two is you know round two or round three um and round two is mostly top 50 picks you get towards the bottom it's not Mm -hmm. um but it's really going to be like what canard wants um I think we've seen in the past Kentucky has pushed some of these guys, Mike Edwards, Josh Allen, um, to come back if they got a chance to really up and, their draft stock. It's just it would it would really help Kentucky's yeah. offense next year to have him back too. But at the same time, like if he's cool with being a guard, like this is about you know if he is like Dane says around the second or third round pick, that's about as good as you can get. How much are you going to max out anyway? Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, and I can't think of his name now. The dude for the Colts they got drafted like top ten. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Quentin Nelson. That's why I said it. Unless you're just a freak, right. Quentin Nelson. Um, the Zach Martin for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. If you're a freak, that you can get up there, but mostly, you know, guards stay for or interior linemen stay. Like you don't see any centers leaving early for the most part. For the most part, that's the position that kind of stays and maxes out their eligibility. Uh, but we'll see what can our now. The thing with Canard is. It, if enough teams think he's a tackle, then you can talk yourself into it. Right. So, yeah, enough teams think I'm a tackle. I can really, like, really work on my pass sets this offseason. Then he could get into that. It's just what, you know, if he's cool with just being a guard, you know, we'll, we'll see. Because he's definitely going to have that flexibility regardless, which is big in the NFL um, because of the 53-man roster. 
um, where he could swing out and play some tackle for you if need be. Especially but, now. Uh, right, all times. right, uh, right. But so. he, he could, he'll definitely be a, you know, he'll come off the board pretty early, but it'll just depend on, you know, it's going to be his decision what he wants. But I, obviously for Kentucky, it'd be very, very nice um, to have him back. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's going to be play a significant role in next yeah. year's offensive line because you are going to lose a ton in uh, at least at the guard position where Dotson and Horsey are coming back. If you have yeah, Kennard at one tackle uh, between the Sear Watkins, uh, maybe working in Jeremy Flax, John Young, Jeremy Flax. Yeah, the, you you have some some bodies there. Yeah. So long term, I think the offensive line is in really good shape. They're recruiting the position well. Like, I'm big on David Wellaball in this class, and obviously Jagger Burton's pretty damn good. You look at some of the bodies they have there, like Jeremy Flax, you should be able to kind of plug him in next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Quentin Wilson is a guy they've spoke really high of to step in at center. Like, he just I, doesn't have the reps. Right. Well, he just – he's got the best – you know, maybe the best center in program history. He's just playing right, behind. Right, right, right. And that's the position that you can't really rotate center. But – Long-term, I think the offensive line in really good shape. Of all the positions on offense, they're, they're in really good shape. It's the, uh, it's the other positions. Uh, running back, too. I think running back's in good shape. It's figuring out th- these other spots, which gives me a question I want to ask Nick. What's like – all right, like these last four games plus hopefully a bowl game. Like, what is what do you want to see from the team moving forward? Like, like what like when we have this – when we record this podcast, I don't know, around Christmas time or whatnot – like they've been trying to pump up for the off season and get optimistic about 2021 and yeah. What, do yeah. You, what, what do you need to build? What do you need? What do you need to add to your ammo or your tank um, to get you to, to get you there? I need three big plays from Mike Ladrone. Three, right? Not just one. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I won't, I'll sell myself on just one in like June of next year. Cause that's the kind of person I am. I, I'm optimistic to a fault. Um, I, I really want to see Bo Allen play on Saturday. I want them to run the ball effectively enough to get Bo on the field because as much as they may be hesitant with Gatewood, I don't think that's the case with Bo, um, from at least the way they yeah. talked about well, it. So again, I, tea leaves, he's, I think he's the quarterback next year. Like, I don't think it takes a lot to um, right, come to that right. conclusion. So I, re- the, I want to sell myself on the future between Bo Allen uh, having a little bit of success with uh, Mike Drennan and then one of those big guys, like Cummings or Upshaw, because I feel like Upshaw, even though he has that, that he had like a bad drop in the end zone, was it against Auburn, I believe? Or uh, no, it's Tennessee. It was at Tennessee. Even though he had that, he hasn't really been put in the situations where it's an easy kind of catch or, Hey, we're running a fade. Let me go run underneath the ball when we're taking a shot. There's been a lot of underthrows that have made his life difficult. So I want to be able to sell myself on Keaton Upshaw, Mike Drennan and Bo Allen. It's what I really want. And I just want to see them put up some points. Like, yeah. And I don't know what that number is. I, I, I wish I did, but I mean, people are running up the score on South Carolina and Vandy. Well, it's weird because the two games they've won this year, they've housed. Yeah. 
And they never house anybody. Never. They don't blow it. They blow out zero people. They can't even blow out matching teams. And they're blow, they blow out Mississippi State and Tennessee, typically two of their tougher games of the year. So yeah. I want to see them put up some points. And even in Florida, uh, against Florida, like. Yeah. I think that's, that's more. That, I think that. I think Bama, you have to throw away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but Florida, I think they match up well in certain spots. I think that's the measuring stick game. Like, I think they really need to go down there and put together. Well, because I'm um, a good in, game. In in even though I, I made those very particular what I want to see, those could probably be somewhat unrealistic as long as they show some fight. Because yeah, like well, I think it's more than that in Florida because you've coming up so far as a program, like you can't be going down there and losing forty one to thirteen. Right, like, right. You got to go like at this point, you got to go down there and really, you know, sw- swing with them. That blowout to them. I mean, that was the turning point back in 2016 when Jordan Jones like called out all his teammates for not tackling and all that. Like, yeah, that was a turning point. And is has there been another blowout loss since then? It was the Tennessee game last yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, 2017 Kentucky, Georgia. 2017 they got housed twice. Dan Mullen, Mississippi State, and oh uh, I, yeah, Georgia, the Kentucky. Mississippi the games at Mississippi State. You're right; those always end poorly. <laughs> but in, in Florida, they played close. They played well. So just Put up some fight because here's the yeah. thing, like it that I I you we remember November, as you said. And for me, in these games, you're turning around and having a signing day, a pretty important one at that. Yeah. Four days after sure. your scheduled final regular season game. So you need to at least have some some positive vibes going in there. Cause here's the thing, like it. If you just beat Vandy, you're going to go to a bowl game at three and seven. There's enough SEC bowl games that they're going to they're going to have to invite people. So like, I I would much if if you see a little bit of fight, I would be happy knowing that going into that bowl game, you can almost use it as a swan song and then a springboard yeah. for those young guys where we can see Bo Allen go out there and sling it and Mike Drennan catching big passes in yeah. Upshaw or Isaiah Cummins making big plays. So uh, that's a lot of it is just show us some fight so that this this November doesn't leave us with bad memories. For me, obviously, I want to start off. You didn't mention defense, but I still want to see this defense. They got better each week. Like, yeah, I don't want to really see them regress um, because if they can keep rolling, they've got a chance to go into next year being like, a Mac daddy kind of unit um, to really be like that. Like we could have the conversation, like Kentucky might have the best defense at SEC in the off season. Um, I think the pieces are there where you could talk yourself into that. Um, and they're going to return pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and, much. Except for Bohanna. Yeah. And, Hoskins. and, and then uh, and Hoskins, uh, how funny would it be? I thought about this. Just do the seventh year. Like you've done <laughs> six just running back for seven. We can, <laughs> Great. We, call, we call him Van Wilder. It would just be awesome. <laughs> and then offensively, I want to see Rodriguez. Like we've seen him kind of, um, you know, he was a workhorse against Georgia and we've seen him put up big numbers, but let, I want to see him. Can he do it every game? Consistently. Weekly. Yeah. And then offensively, I don't think they've hit a deep post since, since Florida, the win at Florida in 2018. Think about that. No. 
the Josh Ali touchdown, the belt ball was a deep post. <laughs> well, yeah. Technically, yeah. it was okay. like 20 yards, but yeah. Outside the red zone, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I, that's what I want to see them hit on one of those. Um, just just can we have something? Can we get some pop in the pass? I don't really care about the pass game so much. Just can mm-hmm. they find some big plays? Because I think in the year, you just got to do what you do. You run block. You got to run block in OL. You got a you know, pretty good rushing attack. Um, and that's really what I want to see. And then after that, like like I said, I think it, a lot of the offseason, like they're just going to get – they need some fresh blood, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. And then um, I think that whatever it is, one, two, three hires, I think they're going to be very important hires for Mark Stoops to make. Man, I just watched an Ohio kicker missed a 28-yard field goal. Yeah, I just saw that. He just got to consult on the sideline. He's missed two field goals under 30 yards. Did you see – Stanford's kicker, who is like legit good, was 0 for 4 in their game on Saturday. It's college kickers, man. It's brutal. By the was, way, Vanderbilt's got a god awful kicking situation, <laughs> kicking and punting. Uh, they're well, pun- they they're last in the SEC in net punting. They've used two kickers. Um, <laughs> they've missed they missed one of like one of three from under. They're one of three from under 30 yards. So essentially, an extra point. <laughs> they're one of three. Um, they've got a god awful kicking situation. Can I also add that this is random, but I got to looking up like where was Frank Solich before he was at Ohio? Because he's been coaching there for as long as I can remember. No. He was Nebraska. the Nebraska coach that replaced yeah. Osborne. He he is the yeah. total replacing a legend and firing him because you don't know what you are kind of deal. They yeah, he had three I mean, times. Look at his with him. Well, they were pissed when he went like ten and two. <laughs> and he was second yeah, they, they, people that. it's crazy yeah think it think about that man they've caught they've gone uh i mean that's the steady hand that they turned down to what right. go get bo Pelini. was it was Pelini his replacement no he was uh they hired bill callahan oh god and that was it was like it was did they, awful did they do they that got twice after or that? am i just dreaming that what bill callahan twice? not just once he okay. was only there for like a year maybe two years and then they brought in Pelini. And even Polini, like he probably, they probably rushed, like he would have eventually got fired, but they probably rushed him out a little too soon. Um, but that just shows you, like entering these coaching searches, man, they're dumb luck. Um, mm-hmm. be- because I mean, Florida look how gotten out of that. Jesus, right? Yeah, they <laughs> Florida, yeah, exactly. Florida wanted Scott Frost and Chip Kelly. Oh, Both God. of those guys at their jobs are stinking it up, and Mullins got them, you know, in a position to get a playoff spot in year three um and he's doing it with a guy like a you know a guy a quarterback that no one wanted so those these coaching searches you know it's a crap i don't think it's not yeah like i need to start a firm like because these Ooh. firms don't do anything like it, it, a lot of this is just you know you know at the end of the day you really you really don't know like how he's gonna fit here what he's gonna do it's just you know it's taking a shot in the dark more times than not well, and you can – you also have a great name for it, too. It takes a little luck yeah, to, to, to land the right coach, and I've got just the thing for you. That's that's what it is. You've got the slogan right there. There you go. A lucky search with Adam Luckett. There you go. Bada boom, bada bam. Well, we need to get out of here. I'm sweating just profusely because the weather can't make up its mind this year. It doesn't want football weather. You know, oh, what the hell is yeah. that football weather? All right, like it was. What was it? Seventy-one degrees this past weekend. Oh, I went out on Sunday. I uh, put on a fleece, jeans. I walked outside. And I'm like, this is 
bullshit. <laughs> it would stomp back inside, it put, on, put on shorts and a t-shirt. Like my, my 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 biological clock is not like it's like what is going on right Leaves now? Leaves are falling. I need sweatshirts. Yeah, right, right. I am not cutting the grass, Mother Nature. You better <laughs> pick it up. I am not doing it. Oh, well, Kentucky better pick it up too. This Saturday against Vanderbilt, the show is going on as of now, and we appreciate you all listening to this show. Uh, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Rash. This is Eleven Personnel. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cats. Go Kroger.